0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, everybody. Well, let's open in prayer, and we'll get started in the Word tonight. I'm ready for some good Bible study. How about y'all? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for uh, who you are, that you are our God and our Father, that you love us and care for us. We're so grateful for all that Jesus has done for us, what he's purchased for us in his blood. And Father, we just thank you tonight as we have gathered in your name. I thank you that you said you would be right here in our midst. So we believe, Father, that there's no time nor distance in the realm of the Spirit. So whether we're here in Charlotte or Fort Pierce or Indianapolis, it doesn't matter. Lord, you're right there with each and every one of us. And so we thank you, Father, for the written word tonight. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we believe, Father, to be taught. We release our faith right now to receive revelation and insight from you and, Father, we'll give you all the glory and thanksgiving for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're continuing a series that we started before uh, the holidays, before Christmas and New Year's, and so we're, we're continuing that. This is week number four in a series called uh, Tactics for Winning. And I believe the Lord led us to start this before the end of the year to bring us into 2024 and to... Uh, talk about some things so that we can start out the year ready to win. Uh, You know, the the truth of the matter is we all have adversities. We all have things that happen in our lives. Life happens to all of us. But the good news is the, the Bible says that God always causes us to triumph in Christ. And so I'm so glad that through him we can have the victory. And what we've been talking about, are some tactics and strategies that we can employ in our lives in order to uh, secure our victory. Now, again, Jesus has already won the victory, but how many of you know the devil's a little hard-headed? He hasn't been convinced of that fact yet. And so what we have to do is enforce that and uh, convince him that he has lost and Jesus is Lord. And so that's what this is all about. So uh, I hope, um, and and by the way, if, if you've missed any of this, uh, I will be updating all of the podcasts for the last uh, few weeks. I know I'm behind, but we'll be getting that taken care of in the next few days. So, But if you miss anything, all the notes for this lesson are already on the website. So let's talk about tonight something that David employed in his life and ministry uh, that helped him walk in victory, and that was as he, he knew and learned how to counsel himself. Not cancel, counsel himself. And so uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures to start off, to launch from. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, and if you want to look there, and then we'll go over to Proverbs 24. We'll start in 11 and we'll go to 24. They basically say the same thing, uh, but we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight. So get your uh, fingers ready to do the walking. And so Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14, Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says this, Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Let me read that again. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And then over in Proverbs 24 and looking at verse 6, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse six, it says this, for by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And then it says again, like this, the other verse did. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we all know, you know, there are benefits to having people in our lives that can speak into our lives to give us spiritual and godly counsel. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having those people in your life. There's nothing wrong with having counselors available. Um, you know, I've had to use them. We've all had to use them and, uh, to give us insight, really the purpose of a human, uh, a person as a counselor, really, this should be what, what you're after when you pursue counseling. And that is this, when you have, have pursued and done everything that you can in prayer, And in the word of God, and you haven't received or gotten the answers that you need, that's where people that are anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit can come in handy and can speak into our lives. But I don't know about you, but there have been times when I have found myself in situations and seasons where there there were people around that I could draw on. And uh, so you have to learn how, if you're going to win in life, you're going to have to learn how to counsel Yourself, and that's what uh, David was very, very good at. And uh, so, what he did, we're going to look at some of the principles that he learned. But let me say this right off the bat, just to establish this, and 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 we are in a, uh, a great advantage over even what David had back in his day, and that is that we have the two. We have access to the two best counselors that are available. Number one, the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells on the inside of us since we've been born again. And then, of course, the written word of God. With those two resources, uh, we have been provided a ton of counsel directly from heaven itself. And so God has made those available to us. So let's look at some scriptures that confirm what I just said. Let's go back to Psalm 119, a few pages, Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 24, Psalm 119. In verse 24, David wrote in the Psalms, and he said this, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. David said, your testimonies, God, what what I know of you and what I hear of you, those are my counselors. The Passion Translation says this, your commandments are my counselors, your word is my light and delight. So God says this, or David said that by writing by the spirit, he said, your commandments are my counselors. You know, again, as, as I often say, you know, our lives can be governed really in a majority of situations and circumstances just by what we find in the written word of God. And, you know, I'm convinced that a lot of uh, what people call counseling uh, could be um, I don't want to say avoided, but could be uh, maybe gone around if people would just go to the Word of God and go to the Spirit of God and look for counsel. You know, the Bible says in James chapter one that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. So you need to understand the Lord is ready and willing, to give you whatever counsel that you need in order to govern your life, in order to uh, steer your life, give you direction and insight to what you need to do and and how you need to orient your life. Uh, In Psalm 1, back up some more pages to the first chapter of Psalm. Psalm 1, verse 1, very familiar scripture. David wrote and he said, blessed is the man So summarizing these these verses right here, these three verses, David said that he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but walks in the counsel of God's word, he'll flourish like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth fruit. And then also, I like this, whatever he does shall prosper. You know, I don't know if whatever means the same thing to you as it does to me, but that pretty much means everything. So when we orient our lives and we seek after the counsel of God that he has promised us, those things can be a part of our lives. Go over a few pages to Psalm 16 and verse 7. Psalm 16 and verse 7. David said this, or the psalmist said, yes, David wrote this. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel, My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. David said, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. I like the the phrase in there where it says, my heart also instructs me in the night seasons. You know, I believe that the scripture teaches, of course, that God never sleeps or slumbers. So if that's true for him, then the Holy Spirit is awake as well. And uh, I believe that that the Lord, the Spirit of God in our hearts can counsel us even in the nighttime. You know, there have been times I remember um, I had grown slack in uh, making my daily confessions of the Word of God and speaking the Word over my life and, um, <clears throat> you know, no, nothing I'm just going to say procrastination, whatever the case might be. And I remember I was sound asleep and I remember I woke up. This was just a few years ago. I woke up and just as clear as day, you know, I don't know if it was an angel or the spirit of God that spoke to me. I didn't see, see anybody, but uh, I remember I heard and it sounded almost audible, although I know it was in my heart. I heard the words that say this, or the Lord say this, you really must not believe that that speaking my word is doing any good. And uh, I mean, I wasn't dreaming about that, wasn't even thinking about that before I went to sleep. Well, I took that as correction from the Holy Spirit. And of course, I made some adjustments and went back and picked up my confessions again. And uh, but, but my point is this, is that if necessary... God will counsel you in the nighttime if he needs to. Go over to the 33rd Psalm. The 33rd Psalm in verse 11, Psalm 33 in verse 11. This Psalm says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. You know, I love the fact that the word of God, and let's just say for the sake of this lesson, the counsel of the Lord is eternal. It it will endure forever. It will last forever and uh, will never fade away, never gets old. And uh, the the scripture says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. Now, let's go over to the 106th psalm. And I want to show you something that the children of Israel did. And uh, how many of you know we can learn from examples? Uh, you know, let me let me back up. Let me say this. You know, I've, I've often said or heard it said too, that experience is the best teacher. Well, I have learned since I used to say that, that ex- my experience is not necessarily the best teacher. Somebody else's experience is is the best teacher because I can learn something from what other people have gone through and experience that can keep me from having to have the same experience. So I say that because, you know, one of the things that the scripture says in the new Testament is that what we read in the old Testament about the children of Israel was written for our example. And so, um, in Psalm 106 verse 13, This is one of the things that got the children of Israel in trouble. You know, it it says in verse 9 that God rebuked the Red Sea. He dried it up. He led them through the wilderness. Uh, He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them, uh, drowned their enemies. Um, Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. But verse 13 says this, they soon forgot his works, and they did not wait for his counsel. So what we see, what got the children of Israel in trouble, and honestly, what gets us in trouble sometimes is, number one, we forget about what God has done for us. You know, we taught a lesson a couple weeks ago on the power of remembering, or that might have been last week. But anyway, um, you know, it's important that we go back and we remember what God has done in our lives, not remember our failures and past Mistakes and sin, but we remember what God has done for us, and the other thing is is that we remember uh, His works, and we we wait for His counsel. You know, I think I said this last week, but it bears repeating, and that is this: God would rather you be slow in responding and moving, trying to pursue after His will so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what his will is. In other words, a lot of times we jump out too quickly. We get ahead of the Lord and some decisions that we make. And God would rather uh, slow our roll a little bit and wait on him to make sure that we know what his counsel is, what he wants us to do and when he wants us to do it. The 107th Psalm, verse 11 Again, still talking about the children of Israel. It says, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the most high. You never ever want to get in a place as a believer where you despise the counsel of the Lord. What does that mean? Where, you know, you just minimize it. You don't give it any heed. You don't pay any attention to it. And, uh, You almost really don't want to hear from God because you know it might mean you have to address some stuff or make some correction in your life. So you despise, uh, you know, making yourself available to God's counsel. Don't ever allow yourself to get to that place. Okay. Now, what we should not do, and listen to me carefully, we should not depend on human counselors, but always make sure that you've gone to the word first and prayer, and then if you need help, go to human counselors, okay? You know, a lot of times, I don't do it much anymore, but early on uh, in in the ministry, when I would counsel people, um, you know, I would always ask the question, what have you done To pursue it because they come to me wanting wisdom, and I don't mind that. And I'll make myself available for the Lord to minister to me so that I can share that with the people. But uh, it was always frustrating to me when somebody would come in, they would tell me what their problems are. And then I would ask them, Well, what have you done to pursue getting God's help in this situation? Well, I haven't done anything. That's why I came to you. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to work the way it's supposed to work is you as a believer, now if you don't know any better that's one thing, but most people know better and that is you need to pursue in the word of God because this is where your help is and the Holy Spirit and then when you have difficulty getting the wisdom, getting counsel, that's when you need to go to human beings to look for that and and especially, listen, if you need to go see a counselor, by all means, go see a Christian Counselor, do not go to somebody who's not born again and pursue wisdom, because there is no telling what somebody who's not born again will tell you, okay, and and give you all kinds of off-the-wall stuff. So if you need help, you need counseling, that's great, uh, but be sure you find somebody that's born again and and possibly filled with the Holy Spirit and is going to know and be able to draw upon the wisdom of God to give you the help that you need. All right. Let's talk about David's life for just a little bit. I want to go and I want to look at a season of David's life. Um, how many of you know David was not perfect? We, you know, David was a great man. He was a great leader. He was a great king. The Bible even says, referring to him, that he was a man after God's own heart. But, but he was still a man. He still failed. He still made mistakes. He still, uh, he even brought a lot of problems that he had in his life and in his rulership upon himself. And so what I want to do is look at a season of his life where many of you might know the story about his son named Absalom, who uh, just let me give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. Absalom, as he got, got older and became an adult. Uh, something on the inside of him uh, was jealous of the authority and power that his father had, that David had as the king. So what Absalom began to do over a four-year period is he would go and he would sit at the gates of the city and uh, he would wait for people to come in. And when people would come in, now these were people that were coming in to hear from uh, a judge to have a case decided. You know, maybe it was some type of uh, lawsuit or something along that line. And so uh, when the people would come into the city, Absalom would be sitting there at the gate and say, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm the king's son, Absalom. What's your name? And why are you here? And uh, they would tell him, Well, we're here to go and have our case heard. And uh, Absalom would say things to the people like, Well, you know, I wish I was a judge because then I could hear your case and then I could, you know, decide in your favor. And, and he would say things like that to the people. And so over four years, he did this day after day, day after day. And the Bible says that he won the hearts of the people. And really his underlying motivation was not to help the people. His underlying motivation was to take the kingdom from his father. And so there came a time when, and all of this is found in second Samuel, uh, starting in, in chapter 15, going all the way through chapter 19. And so what happened is, is, uh, is Absalom raised up an army and decided to rebel against David and came into the city to take the kingdom away from David. Well, David in his his wisdom and, and really not knowing what else to do, took he and his closest confidants and they fled the city. And so for a period of time, Absalom set himself up on the throne and uh, began to rule. And so uh, over a period of time, David conversed with some of uh, his closest associates and remained Uh, you know, that remained loyal to him. There were several people, though, however, that were once loyal to David that flipped on David and became loyal to Absalom and actually betrayed David to Absalom. And one of them was a uh, close advisor to David named Ahithophel. And Ahithophel was somebody that David leaned on tremendously. Ahithophel was a very wise person He had a lot of counsel that he would give David, especially when David would be ready to go into battle and and fight enemies and things like that. And so when David found out that Ahithophel had flipped on him, uh, David prayed and he said, may the Lord cause Ahithophel's counsel to become foolishness. And that's exactly what happened. Ahithophel was advising Absalom. And uh, so Absalom you know, was deciding what to do, whether to pursue David and so forth. And Ahithophel gave him one set of counsel. And so, uh, that turned out not to be good. And, uh, so anyway, it ended up coming to backfire on him and Ahithophel actually ended up dying later on because of his turncoat on David, not that David killed him, but he, he brought his own demise. And so anyway, Um, David, during this time and during this season, you can imagine what it would be like to, um, be the King. You all, you know, he had gone so many years with Saul pursuing him. And finally that time was over. And really he thought, you know, Hey, this is going to be a good time, a good season in my life and things are going to go well and things are going to go well with the kingdom. And then all of a sudden his very own son rebels against him takes the throne from him, and uh, you know this is a very, very low point in David's life. And uh, so, as we, we often see with David, one of the things that David was very, very good at is that he would find out a way to, you might have heard it said this way, to encourage himself or to counsel himself. In other words, he knew the answer to his problems was to pursue after God with all of his heart. Okay, so go over with me to the 42nd Psalm, Psalm 42. And all of this has been introduction up to this point. So we ought to get done about 11 tonight by the time I'm all through with this. (laughs) All of a sudden, I see blocks disappearing on on, uh, Zoom. Anyway, no, I'm just teasing. Let's look at Psalm 42. This is a psalm that David wrote while all this was going on. And uh, you're going to see a lot of good information in here about some things that David said. Okay, Psalm 42. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to follow along with me if you can. And you've probably heard some words in, in this psalm that have been made into songs, praise and worship songs that we sing today. And I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 11. So David said this. He said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my so pants my soul for you, oh my God. Now I want to stop right there. And of course, I can't resist making commentary throughout this. Uh, what, what does it tell you when it says, as the deer pants for the water brook? That means that the deer has has been pursued by someone else and has had to run and flee. So therefore it's out of breath and it's in need of water. Uh, Hence, tying it back to David, David has been pursued by his own son. And so he says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while, while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. And then he asked himself the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. If you would uh, remember that phrase, for the help of his countenance, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Verse 6, O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, countenance and my God. So he says, the help of my countenance and my God. So look back at verse five again. He said, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, for the help of his countenance. And then in verse 11, he says, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. Okay, so we're going to see in just a little bit uh, what, the, what the significance of that is. Now, I want to give you five things tonight quickly so that we can uh, go over. Get, I want to get all of these done tonight. So let's talk about these five things that David did in order to receive the counsel from heaven that he needed at this particular moment. Because I don't know about you. I've been in some pretty tough situations, but I've never been in a situation quite like this where my very life depended on me getting counsel from heaven. And so uh, everything that David had going on in his life, I want you to see that one of the main reasons that he fled Jerusalem was not so much because he was afraid of Absalom, but because he needed to seek after God. He needed to seek God. So the first thing that you have to do in counseling yourself is you're going to have to have a passionate hunger for God. A passionate hunger for God. You know, when you need answers, that's not the time to be uh, about your relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, and I know when pressure's on that, you know, sometimes seeking God is the last thing you feel like doing, but I will tell you this, um, you're going to have to find yourself like David. Um, you're going to have to make yourself pursue after God. You're going to have to make yourself be passionate about pursuing God, make the Lord your highest, priority. Okay. Um, notice again, what he said in verse one of that Psalm, he said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants, my soul for you. Oh my God. In other words, David was saying, okay, like that deer who's been in hot pursuit or someone has been in hot pursuit after him when he's tired and he's thirsty, he's out of breath. Uh, that's the time that he pursues water. And so that's the way David says, so that's the way my soul is pursuing after you right now, God. So you're going to have to want God into the same degree that that deer wants water. Uh, You know, I don't know about you, but on a hot summer day, if you've ever been hot and sweaty and outside working and and you're just so thirsty and all of that, uh, you know, there's not much that would keep you from getting something to drink. Well, spiritually speaking, that's the place that we need to get to. We've got to be passionate and pursuing after God. Notice David said, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. Okay. And uh, so what David was saying is, even though I'm not in my homeland, I am pursuing you the best that I possibly can in the place that I am at the moment. Now. I want to just say this to you, and I'm going to touch on this more in a little bit as well. David was just as much at fault for what happened to him as Absalom was at fault. And here's why. If you read the scripture, scriptures carefully, we, we didn't touch on it tonight, but if you study what, uh, what, what Samuel says about the upbringing of Absalom, the Bible says clearly that David never told Absalom no. In other words, David failed in his parenting of of Absalom. In other words, David might have in a season or a time in his life forgotten what his number one priority was, and that was his own household. And so a lot of what he's reaping in Absalom are things that he has sown throughout his life. And so here's my point. David in, had caused a lot of the own, his own problems that he encountered in his life. Let me, let me say this to you. If you'll remember the story of Bathsheba, when David got into sin with Bathsheba and got, got Bathsheba pregnant and the baby died and, uh, you know, and then killed her, her husband and so forth. David was responsible for all of that. And when Nathan, the prophet came to confront David about what he had done, he told, told him, you remember Nathan came and said, you know, there was a man who stole a little sheep and took the life of the sheep and so forth. And David was irate. Who dare could do this? He said, he ought to have to pay fourfold for what happened to that little lamb. Well, Nathan, the prophet said, out of your own mouth, you have just spoken your own judgment. And as we see in David's life, what has happened is there have been four things that have happened that have, where he opened the door to his own judgment that came upon him. And one of them was the rebellion and ultimate death of his own son, Absalom. Okay. So my point is this, David caused a lot of the problems that he encountered in his life. And I don't know about you. I'm just going to talk about me. I know there have been problems in my life that I have caused myself. You know, <laughs> there's nothing worse than being around somebody who's never made a mistake or, or, or failed in their life. You know, those people that always blame everybody else. Well, you know, it's my parents' fault or it's so-and-so's fault. No, listen, there are things that we all have done and have brought problems on ourselves in our lives but listen, even in, when you find yourself in the middle of a situation that you may have caused, listen to me carefully, you're finding yourself in hard times that you may have caused. If you will repent and seek after God with all your heart, judge yourself, God will forgive you and then move to bring you out of the trouble that you caused. That's how good God is because we see in this situation where God ultimately moved and brought David out of these problems that he brought upon himself. And he'll do the same thing for you and me. All right. Number two, take your eyes off of the problems or problem and the enemies of your soul. In other words, don't focus on the problem, and don't fo- in our case, don't focus on the devil. Now, David had human enemies, okay, and we might have some people we don't like, but we shouldn't have human enemies per se. We have one adversary, and his name is the devil. All right, but take your eyes off of the problem. Look at Psalm forty-two and verse eight, and he's David said, "The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime." And in the night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. David said, was saying this, I'll meditate on your loving kindness all day long in the daytime. In other words, I'm not going to focus on my problems. I'm not going to focus on the circumstances. I'm not going to focus on the situation. Now, we don't deny them and pretend like they don't exist, but there's a difference between being just focused on something and fixated on it versus just going through it. Okay, and David said, I'm going to meditate on your loving kindness in the daytime. David said, I'm going to sing your song in the nighttime. Well, if you're meditating on the goodness of God in the daytime and you're singing his praise in the nighttime, that's pretty much all day long. That's pretty much 24 hours a day. And so David said, my life will be saturated with and by prayer. So David said, I'm going to take my attention off of the circumstances and and off of my situation, and I'm going to focus on the goodness of God. I'm going to think about the, the meditate on his loving kindness, and then I'm going to sing his praise every opportunity that I get. All right. Number three, cast down reasonings as to why these problems have happened and ask God for the answers. Cast down reasonings as to why these problems have happened and ask God for the answers. And you're going to have to be, you know, very, very honest. Okay, again, you know, you might have to, uh, well, let me go to one side and then I'll talk about that. Okay. The worst thing that you can do in a time of trouble is beat yourself up and allow the devil to beat you up, even if you are the one that caused it. Okay. Don't let the devil do that. That's none of his business. This right now, at this moment, we're talking about you and the Lord. All right. So, again, uh, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to dwell on, man, how could I have done something so stupid? How could I have, you know, messed that up so badly? Um, instead go to God for answers. Okay, God, listen, I know I messed this up. I know it's because of my poor decisions that I am where I am. So I've asked you to forgive me. I believe that you have forgiven, forgiven me. So now what are the answers? What is it that I need to know to begin to bring me out of this situation? Begin to seek God for the answers. And let me tell you something, you know, be willing to own up to it. If, if the Lord comes to you and says, yeah, this is something that you did. You made a decision here, and this has caused this over here. Okay, be willing to say, you know what? Hey, listen, if I'm the one that messed that up, so be it. Let's go on, okay? Own up to it, in other words. So when you have questions, God always has answers. When, you know, and I know there's a whole large portion of the Christian world that likes to think that, uh, you know, there's just going to be some things we're not going to understand. There's just going to be something, you know, the Lord is mysterious in his ways. You know, you hear people say things like that. No, the Bible says that, That the Holy Spirit's been given to us to bring us wisdom, to bring us insight, to bring us revelation. Listen, it is not, it does not do the heart of your heavenly father any good to see you go through problems and trials and things that come into life and not ask him for help when he is willing and ready to provide the help and the answers that you need. The only thing he has to have you do is ask him, okay? So listen, you know, it kind of goes back to what I've heard pretty much all my Christian life, and that is this. When you mess up, don't run from God, run to God, and get give him the opportunity to speak into your life, all right? Have you ever asked yourself or God the question, or asked God this question, why didn't I see this coming, or why didn't you tell me about it? okay? Guilty. I've done that, all right? Listen, the Holy Spirit, uh, it's nowhere promised in the Bible that uh, he has to, you know, when you are going headstrong in one direction and you've made up your mind, he'll do his best to warn you, but listen, he's limited by what you allow him to do in your life, and so, you know, I, I just want us to Be aware of that, okay? So when you ask God for the answers, trust him that he is going to give them to you. And listen, I want to encourage you, keep your antenna up. You know what I mean when I say that? Uh, You know, sometimes we have our favorite means and methods whereby we want God to speak to us. But there are going to be times when God's going to speak to you in ways Uh, you know, it might be something that somebody says to you. It might be something that you hear down here in your heart during a time of prayer. Okay. So, you know, be open, be available to hear from heaven and allow the spirit of God to speak to you. Here's number four, counsel yourself by the rock of God's word, counsel yourself by the rock of God's word. You know, David asked himself twice in this psalm, he said, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Um, You know, there are several instances in the Psalms where David talked to himself. You're going to have to talk to yourself. You're going to have to counsel yourself with the word of God. David said, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And listen, just listen to the tone of what he said, hope in God. Listen, get yourself together and hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Okay. So there are going to be times when you're going to have to talk to yourself to bring yourself back to a place of faith, back to a place of peace, back to a place of, Resting in the love of God. And as I said, David often talked to himself. You know, don't turn there for the sake of time, but Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms in the entire Bible, David said this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he listen, he's talking to himself. Forget not all his benefits. And then he lists some of the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You're going to have to be willing to talk to yourself and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have a pity party. We're not going to find ourselves wallowing around in self-pity. No, we're going to pick ourselves up by the Word of God, and I'm going to remind myself of the benefits that I have as a child of the Most High God. I am uh, His Son. He's forgiven all of my sin and my iniquities. He's healed my body. He's redeemed my life. You're going to have to find yourself reminding yourself of those things and counsel yourself back to a place of faith, okay? Because the worst thing you can do is continue to waller around in that self-pity. And listen, it's human nature. We all have a tendency to feel sorry for ourselves. You know, why? woe is me. Why is this happening to me? And then I can promise you, the devil's gonna chime into that and say, you know, you're the only one in the whole wide world that's experiencing what you're experiencing. No, you're weird. Nobody else has experienced what you're experiencing, and he just keeps piling it on. No, you're going to have to make yourself, counsel yourself out of that, and bring yourself to a place of faith, and this is where you might need to get somebody to help you. You need to have some people in your life that won't put up with your self-pity, okay? that love you enough to tell you the truth and say, whoa, wait a minute, what does the word say about that situation? What does the word say in that particular, uh, you know, about the, the, the mood that you're in right now? You're going to have to pick yourself up, okay? So, David may have caused a lot of his own problems, but because he pursued after the Lord, God delivered him. Let me remind you of a couple of additional verses. Psalm 34 and verse 19. Psalm 34 In verse 19, it says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, notice it doesn't say, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of the ones that he did not cause. Okay? It says he delivers him out of them all. Psalm 107. Verses 8 through 15. I'm going to read this to you. It's several verses, but it's good. He says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Notice he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. That's a verse we read a while ago. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. So when they got in this situation, verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Notice that these people found themselves. This is talking about the children of Israel. They found themselves in that situation by their own doing. But when their heart turned towards the Lord and pursued after him, notice it says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. So again, Cry out to the Lord. All right, here's number five and the last one. And this is what I wanted to get to. Put your hope in the word of God and he will become the help of your countenance. Let me say that again. Put your hope in the word of God and he will become the help of your countenance. Now, again, let me remind you of those two verses that we we mentioned earlier Psalm 42 and verse five, David said he asked he asked himself, "Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted? Why are you anxious? Why are you upset within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance." And then verse eleven in Psalm 42 again, David says basically the same thing: "Why are you cast down, O my soul?" And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. And then again, this is where he changes it. He says, the help of my countenance and my God. Now, I love this. I looked up the word countenance in the Hebrew to see what it meant. If it, And I, I dare you, or not dare you, I encourage you, get a concordance or go online and, and search how many times the phrase or the word countenance appears in the scripture? It's very, very important. You know, the scripture makes reference to the, the face of the Lord shining down upon us. Well, that's his countenance. Your countenance is your face. Okay. And it, what you see in someone's face, you know, somebody I could, I could come into somebody that I run into somebody that I know and if I know them well enough, I can look at their face without them uttering a word and I can tell what's going on in their lives because we wear it right here. We wear stress. We wear peace. We wear happiness. We wear joy. We wear sadness. Everything is reflected in our faces, Okay, now God, there's a lot of scriptures. We won't take the time to look at them tonight, but the Lord's countenance is what we need to look at. Okay, so what do I mean by that? God is the same all the time. God is is a God of peace. He's a God of hope. He's a God of faith. He's a God of love. He is love. And what you need to understand is that when you look into his face, those are the characteristics, the moods, if you will, that you're going to see all the time. Okay? Now, why am I saying that? Because there are going to be times when you need to look at his countenance in order to help your countenance. That's why David said, for yet I shall praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. See, what I want to do is I want to get to the place in times of trouble where I am pursuing after God. I'm hungering and thirsting after him. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and as I do that, the Bible says we gaze upon his face, upon His countenance. And as I do that, his mood rubs off on me. His manner rubs off on me. And what happens in that is, uh, for David said in verse 5, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance so that, and I'm going to tie these two together, verse 11, so that my countenance can be helped by looking at his countenance. Okay? Okay. God's countenance is always consistent, even when our countenance is down. So what we got to do is we've got, and I'm talking spiritually speaking, because how many of you know that what affects you spiritually will affect you outside as well. Okay. But what I want you to see is, is that what we've got to get into a habit of doing is counseling ourselves, looking to his face looking to his word. Somebody says, well, how do I see the face of God? Well, the Bible says that his face is reflected to us in his word. Now, and and you know, there's something, I, I don't have time to get into all this tonight, but do you remember what happened when Moses went up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and communed with God? And the Bible says he looked at God face to face. You remember the Bible says that he, Came down off the mountain, and they had to put a veil over his face because his countenance shone so brightly with the glory of God. So it affected Moses to the point where physically glory was coming out of his face because of what he had been looking at all those 40 days on the mountain. I want to tell you. Moses did not have access to something that you do not have access to. Now, surely right now in this dispensation, we don't have uh, encounters like that with the God, our God creator of the universe, but he lives and dwells on the inside of us. We have his written word. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. So the same, same resource is available to you. Let me read this verse five out of the Passion Translation and then I'm done. Then I will say to my soul, David speaking, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed for I fully expect my savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes. Living before his face is my saving grace. I love that. Okay. So How do you counsel yourself? You're going to have to find, first of all, stir up that passionate hunger for the Lord. Stir up that desire, that thirst for him, like that deer panting for the water. And then when you find yourself in the waters, then make yourself available to the counsel of God to be able to give you the answers that you need to bring you out of the trouble that you're in. And and listen, if you find yourself in a problem, in a situation that you caused, Just repent, ask God to forgive you and let the goodness of God bring you out of that situation. He is that good, he is that merciful and he is that kind to us and has made that available to us. So praise God and that'll help you win in the battle. Praise the Lord, amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.